0: Good day to your kingdom family. This is Johan Portita, and today we are going to discuss John chapter 11. I'm excited again about this chapter because it's a story that we all know well, but I'm going to bring in an angle here today that I believe possibly you haven't heard unless you have done the Power of Transformation course, which is the biblical psychology course where we deal with this thing. And I want you just to be patient today. Will you just work through this lesson with me patiently and just hear the challenge at the end of where you come in and how the Holy Spirit may challenge you in your ministry or in your operation in what God has given you uh, in the body of Christ. So we know the name Lazarus means God has helped. Now what an apt name and an applicable name for this friend of Jesus we're going to pick it up from verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with the hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. They didn't say to Jesus, our brother is sick or your friend is sick. He whom you love. Why did they do that? I do believe it was to solicit an immediate response from Jesus. So that Jesus would come right away. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You may say to me, hold on a minute, but Lazarus really died. Physically, he died. Yes, he did. Why did Jesus say, this sickness is not unto death? Isn't that a contradiction? Not at all. You see, the resurrection and the life was speaking because in verse 25 we have our fifth I am statement of Jesus where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus looked at the situation for him who was the glory, for his glory to be revealed in Lazarus receiving new life in the situation of him being dead physically. But Jesus only saw it as asleep. Why? Because he's the resurrection and the life. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And he did that on purpose. Folks, I want to encourage you here with this. If you have perhaps prayed prayers in faith, trusting God, in the will of God, and those prayers have not yet been answered, can I ask you today, and I implore you as a brother in Christ, please be patient. Because when Jesus delays, there is always a reason for a divine delay. It will come at the right time. You see, the time that you prayed that specific prayer and you interjected faith into that prayer and you trusted the Lord in the will of God for that thing to come to pass, If it hasn't come to pass yet, it has accrued interest in the spiritual dimension, in the kingdom of God, and the glory that's going to be revealed. I believe this completely with my whole heart. The glory that's going to be revealed in the manifestation of that thing into the natural realm is going to be a far greater thing even than the time that you prayed for it. When you believed God for it, it's going to be even more and greater than that. So just trust the Lord. That was for somebody, by the way. You are listening to this right now. And what I just said was just for you. Because you've been waiting on an answer for prayer. uh, Probably weeks, maybe months. Some of you possibly even years. But be patient, it's coming. Then after this, he said to the disciples, now let us go to Judea again. And I just want to bring in my own modern day vernacular here and just put it out there. Jesus says, let's go back to Judea. And I believe the disciples at that time said, Lord, like really? You want to go back to Judea? Don't you remember that these are the guys who want to take you out? These are the people who want to kill you. Do you want to go back there? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps but I go that I may wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get well. It's like in a sense, they were saying to Jesus, let him, let him sleep, Lord. He's going to get well. Why do you want to go waking up? And, and I do believe that these, these I nearly said Pharisees, these, these disciples most have really had question marks in their eyes many times with the things that Jesus said. And they said, he's going to get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about him just taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And we know what happens, Jesus gets there, Martha's upset, she comes running out and says that if he, if Jesus was there, her brother wouldn't have died. Mary does the same thing, she says if he was there, her brother wouldn't have died. The people then said after that, if he was here, surely this man who opened the eyes of the blind, he could have also prevented this man from dying. You see what is happening here, and then it talks about Jesus weeping and him groaning within himself. It wasn't because of the fact that it was just his friend that was dead. He knew what he was going to do. It was because of the unbelief that Jesus was groaning on the inside. And I want to say to you, do not walk in unbelief. You heard of uh, in one of the other messages that I sent through the Gospel of John, of how I said what unbelief really is. Unbelief always wants proof, and it wants this, and it wants the other. But what really preceded the raising of Lazarus from the dead? You see, in In the Jewish tradition, three days after death was considered days of weeping. Um, That was then followed by four days of of lamentation, which equaled seven days of actual mourning. Now, can you just imagine that? Three days of weeping, and I mean that's like sobbing and crying, and then four days of lamentation, that's like moaning and groaning uh, about this death that had occurred. They also now believe that uh, the decomposition started setting in on the fourth day, Uh, after the soul had been wandering around the body like for three days. Then after three days, it left the body to itself to decay. Now the third day would therefore, according to what we just said, be the day when most would visit because the death was now a certainty and accepted as a reality. But when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was still bound head to foot with grave clothes. Now, We know the story, and I'm sure you've heard the sermons on this, where Jesus stood and he shouted, Lazarus, come forth! Jesus could not have shouted, come forth! Because if he did, and I know you've heard this before, let us just go through it again because my vivid imagination can just picture this. If Jesus had to shout, come forth, then all of those people who were in the graves would have come out. But Lazarus was the one that came out of the grave. Now, If we look at this, how did he move from the inside of that tomb to the outside in full view of everyone? Because he was still bound head to foot in grave clothes. He was embalmed. Now Jesus called out to Lazarus to come come forth from among the dead. When Jesus called out to him, you need to get this. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, which he is, that means... That the voice of Jesus, when it hit that body of Lazarus, that the eternal life and resurrection life and the power of life that Jesus carried penetrated every cell in his body and immediately received new life. Now his dead, decaying heart started beating again. You've got to picture this with me. And blood started gushing through his dried up arteries again, reaching every single part of his body. His brain at this time in total surprise, kept releasing multiple messages through the spinal cord and the central nervous system that the dead body was no longer dead but alive. Muscles flexed again and sinews and tendons stretched, connecting across the drying bones as the power of the master's voice convinced them that or convinced the whole body that the brain and the heart was alive again and it was flowing with new life. Now Lazarus' eyes obviously opened, but he was unable to see through the tightly wrapped grave embalming cloth. His ears were twitching, picking up sounds from the familiar surroundings again, mixed with many voices exclaiming and expressing shouts of amazement and awe at the awesome miracle that had just taken place. And I'm just saying, and, and and you know what, this is probably one of the blockbuster videos I'll take out one day in heaven when I'm there to watch this thing and how it happened. But what a sight that must have been. Can you imagine the reaction from the people just standing around there watching this whole thing and watching it happen? I, I'm telling you this. I believe there were Jews running in all directions at that particular point in time because they saw this dead Lazarus, whom they knew, come to life again. And Jesus then makes the statement, which is what I want to draw into our modern day church. He makes a statement that's very pertinent. He turns to his disciples and he says to them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Hold on a minute. But wasn't he free? Wasn't he liberated from the bonds of death? Why then was he still bound? You see, he was still bound with the grave clothes and Jesus' instruction to the disciples was to loose him and let him go. The conclusion here is, guys, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but the disciples' responsibility was to set him free from the bandages. Or then is it the bondages? It's so relevant for us today in the church, and it serves really as an appropriate, applicable analogy. We must lose the bandages or the bondages off the minds of other believers and help them become free. That is why... Even the, the material that are put together is for us as the body of Christ to counsel one another. Raising up counselors so that we can counsel one another and help one another and infuse one another with, 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 with courage and with strength. When Jesus spoke his resurrection life into you and me, every part of our newfound life pulsated with heaven's life, kingdom life. We've received life, his life, his resurrection life. And our responsibility is now to help others. You see, were we also then still bound in some areas when we were born again? Of course we were. Why? Because our minds were not set free. Our spirit was born again. But our minds were still bound. Just as Lazarus needed those grave clothes removed by the disciples, so do we need one another today in the body of Christ for the removal of the old, clammy, smelly grave clothes of the past. And I want to ask you, are you still bound up with things of the past? Are there still issues from your past that that is haunting you and dragging you down like an anchor in quicksand? Then I want to encourage you today. It's time that you rise up into new life. The mind was not renewed at the rebirth, guys. The mind still thought very much the same old way, the way it was programmed through, the, through our lives, through the five senses. So we've got to get our spiritual senses alive, knowing that the life on the inside of us is real resurrection life. Remember I said the other day as well that you've got eternal life flowing through you right now. I basically want to close off there with the gospel of John the 11th chapter. And say to you today, the, the transformation of your mind is your responsibility. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God you see when you start walking in this new life the religious people won't like you this world won't like you maybe even some of your friends old friends won't like you because we are a set-apart people to walk in this newness of life towards the end of chapter John the 11th chapter you'll find now that the religious people are livid again obviously upset because of this major miracle that had taken place And Caiaphas now actually prophesies and he speaks, I believe, even by God prompting him to speak, to say this one man is going to die for the sins of the whole nation. And in essence, that was saying that Jesus was going to die for the sins of the whole world. And he says it would be profitable for that to, to happen and not for the whole nation to perish, but that one man would give his life for the sins of the whole world. And we're moving up towards that time. We are in Holy Week right now and we are moving up to the time where we are going to commemorate and look up to the time that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave His life for one and for all. Father, I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus that as we went through this chapter on resurrection life, Jesus, where the fifth I am, where you said I'm the resurrection and the life, we thank you that every single person listening to this right now who has life on the inside of them, resurrection life, will take that, hold on to that, and realize that we need to build our lives around this resurrection life that is on the inside of us. I pray, Father, that you will help every single person that's listening to this. When we are renewed in our minds through the transformation through the word of God, that we will take this word of life and share it with other believers and help them for them to be released from the bandages or then the bondages of the things of the past, that we know we have a great future. We are not the products of our past. We are the products of Him who has bought us at a price. And we have new life and we work from glory to glory